This is Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth, and I am so excited today because I have a guest with me. My friend Laura is joining me for this episode. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, We're going to talk about a topic that we are both super interested in. Um, Laura is also an American uh, expat living here in Taiwan. She is also an ESL teacher. And... So we're both Americans. We both have experience with the U.S. healthcare system and Taiwan's healthcare system. And I think especially, I mean, obviously with a global pandemic going on, um, healthcare is a huge, important topic right now. But also just in general, Taiwan has a really different system to America's. Um, it's a single payer system. So it's that classic national healthcare, uh, universal healthcare that you hear so much about and is such a controversial topic in the U.S., Um, And because we have experience with both systems and we love aspects of Taiwan's system, most of the aspects, we wanted to sit down and have a conversation uh, just to share our experiences with the system. And a huge part of this podcast for me, like I've said before, is just talking about things that are different in other parts of the world because we don't know the, you know, the different possibilities or the different options that exist in anything, whether it's, you know, food or transportation or um, entertainment or healthcare, unless you've had experience or you know someone who's, who's experienced that. So we just want to talk about, um, what it's been like for us and the the pros and the cons and everything of the system. So Laura, can you give us just a little bit of a background of your experience with the healthcare system here in Taiwan? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think that's such a great intro and it's true. Um, you know, of course, coming from America, I was familiar with the U.S. system and coming to Taiwan, I had heard a lot of great things about socialized medicine and how that works, but it is really hard to truly understand what the system is until you're living in it. Um, And I have had a definitely very unique experience here. Um, A few months after I moved to Taiwan, um, I found out I had to get uh, major surgery, um, which I later learned uh, was liver cancer. And so that is something that I've had to deal with um, in Taiwan. And so I've had really extensive experience not only getting surgery here at hospitals, um, but also meeting with specialized doctors, oncologists, um, and and receiving treatment here. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because of that. I'm very sorry you had to go through that and are going through that here. Um, I've had sort of a wide range of experiences with the healthcare here. I think the longer I've lived here, the more I've started to utilize it because I realize how accessible and how affordable it is. So, you know, I've been to various clinics for um, sort of general family doctors, for dermatology, for Um, gynecology, just as sort of all the different ologies, all the different doctors. Um, And so I've sort of seen some trends over uh, how how they do things here and the costs and all of that. Um, But Laura's experience has been completely different to mine. So we both wanted to sit down and compare. Um, So just to give you a little bit of a background, like Laura said, it is socialized medicine here. It is a single payer system. It is provided through your employer, but if you're not employed in Taiwan, you can still access it. You just have to pay the entire premium. Mm. The entire premium, which is about 23 US dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. uh, Yeah, when I switched jobs here uh, last year, I 
left my previous job and a few months in between having my new teacher job, um, as an American, it did not even occur to me that I could have health insurance coverage uh, in between my period uh, period of employment, uh, which was kind of funny. But uh, someone told me, no, you know, you can you can self pay and continue to be covered. So I went to um, the local health insurance office. Um, I had to back pay for two months. Um, and like Marjorie said, it was a really uh, really small price, about 20, 23 US dollars um, to self pay for health insurance coverage, um, which was really provided me a lot of peace of mind as I was job searching. Um, and then once I got hired at my new job, the process to switch back to employee coverage was super fast and easy. And correct me if I'm wrong, this might have been someone else that I'm thinking of, but when you back paid, were you able to be reimbursed for things that had happened during those previous months? Yes, I was. Okay. So um, the hospital that I went to, um, I had to get, uh, so one of my scans, I have to get CT scans mm-hmm. and those can be quite expensive. Um, I suppose not comparatively, but expensive <laughs> um, for here. And so the hospital, when I uh, paid, when you check out at the hospital, which uh, is largely kind of like a deli counter, you take a number, yeah. you go up to the counter, you hand them your bill and you know nine times out of 10, I pay in cash. Um, so when that happened, uh, during that period where I was not employed, um, the, the billing office just gave me a little sheet of paper. And then the next time I went back to the hospital after I had gotten the coverage and back paid, um, they simply just reimbursed me for what I, uh, what I wouldn't have paid had I had insurance at the time. So, uh, the process for the reimbursement was also very, very easy and painless. Yeah, that's incredible. It is funny to me, as you mentioned, like comparatively expensive. Um, I have had a few things done here that were not covered by insurance, um, and we'll talk about that. But the doctor will tell you at the time you're sitting in their office with them and they will say, OK, this is not covered by insurance. Um, and she said to me, it is pretty expensive. And I was like, all right, well, tell me what you think expensive is. Um, it was about... USD. I was like, please do it. Do all the things. (laughs) Yes. I've had the exact, I've had the exact same experience, um, especially with my surgeries is at every step of the process, Mm -hmm. the surgeons, um, or the doctors, uh, at some point we'll stop the conversation and say, I just let need to let you know, this is what the price is. I need to let you know, this is going to be expensive. And I do appreciate the, the, uh, the consideration Mm -hmm. of the financial aspect, um, because certainly not everyone, um, is able to afford that. Um, and, but for me, you know, especially as an American knowing what, how much something might cost in the U S, um, the price really hasn't been an issue. So even going through major surgery here, um, the surgery that I had in 2019, which was, you know, a major operation. I was in the hospital for a week and a half, um, including the surgery and total, it cost me about, uh, I think 3000 us dollars, That's incredible. Um, which is half of my parents deductible, <laughs> um, in the States. And so yes, while, you know, $3,000 is not a small amount of money. And I certainly don't want to trivialize that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I looked at the contrast of what that would be, you know, alternatively, um, it's so, you know, reasonable and, and, and affordable. Yeah. And even just the simplicity of the system, you know, you just mentioned a deductible. That's not something that we have to think about here. Um, I know at various times when I've had to get health coverage in the U S and I know talking to friends when they're switching jobs and all of that, it's impossible to navigate. Um, and you're doing all this mental math and what's covered and what's not and all of that. And that's just not something that we have to think about here at all. 
Um, just to give you another quick stat, this is as of 2016, so it's a little bit outdated, but it was the most recent I could find. A family of four will pay about 100 USD a month for their entire insurance premium for four people, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and also the premium is 100% subsidized for households below the poverty line. And this is a direct quote from, um, I guess just from the government. I found a little PDF online where uh, Taiwan is basically touting its successes <laughs> with its system, which I loved. Um, but they had this quote that says, with this safety net in place, no single individual on this land can ever be denied health care for lack of means or anything. There must be a way to get the help and bankruptcies out of medical bills have become unheard of since. Mm which it's you really know. amazing I mean one of my friends um, is an attorney in the states and she works with bankruptcy and um, I believe it's about 70% of bankruptcies in the US cite medical expenses mm -hmm. as the reason as the primary reason um, which is really unfortunate I think um, with the US it's really undeniable that the US has some of the best doctors and facilities and certainly the most innovative treatments in the world um, but all of those things, um, if not accessible, mm -hmm. uh, may or may not be useful to a majority of the people, which is unfortunate. And so um, the fact that medical care is so expensive and does truly um, bankrupt so many people, um, I think is just a, a true tragedy of a system that um, has a lot of potential. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanna make this distinction between healthcare and health insurance. Um, the U.S. undeniably has a fantastic health care system um, in terms of the quality of the, the treatment that you're receiving. Absolutely. It's just the technicalities of the system that leave a bit to be desired. So I just want to get into a little bit about like what the process of going to the doctor is like here. Um, there are private clinics and there are also clinics in the hospital, which is a little bit confusing. I still don't entirely understand why that is or how it works necessarily. Um, when I've gone to private clinics, I basically just <laughs> find them on Google um, or you know ask a friend or something and then show up because my Chinese is is not great. We'll we'll talk about learning languages abroad in another episode. Laura's laughing at me because she does speak Chinese. Um, Very poorly, but yes. <laughs> uh, but especially over the phone, you know, I prefer not to try to make appointments if I can avoid it. So I usually just go to a clinic and. Um, you know, sometimes they're busier than others, but often I can get in within 10, 15 minutes or less, just a few minutes. So I, you know, I walk in, I hand them my card, my health insurance card. Um, I pay the, the copay, which is usually about $6 USD, um, maybe up to like 10 or 12, depending on the place. And then I'm, you know, I'm in to see the doctor. Um, it's super quick, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, and then if there's any prescriptions from the appointment, they are usually filled on site and they are usually free. I've had occasions where I've had to pay five or $10 for them as well, but usually it's, you know, it's super quick. You come out of the doctor's office, you wait a couple minutes, they give you your prescriptions and you're out the door. So I don't know if, <laughs> I really don't know if you're supposed to make doctor's appointments here. I assume you are, but I never do. Um, and it works out fine. At the hospital, you do make appointments, but it's pretty easy to register online. Yeah, exactly. So my experience um, has been with hospitals um, and clinics at hospitals. And depending on the hospital, the websites can be 
more or less um, confusing to navigate, yeah. but for the most part, it's not too bad to figure out. Um, I really like how it's laid out online. They have uh, the doctor's names, all of their time slots available. You put in your information, you select the time slot you want. Generally a period of about three hours that they ask you to show up. Um, and so that is always how I have done that. Um, because I'm meeting with more specialized doctors, oncologists, and specialized surgeons, um, they're oftentimes very busy. And so scheduling an appointment is definitely necessary yeah. for that. Um, and the wait time really varies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I have, you know, gotten in it within 10 minutes just in the waiting room. Um, and I've also had situations where I've been waiting like three hours um, okay. to see a specialized surgeon. Um, I think in comparison to the U.S., though, I have not uh, dealt in the U.S. with as serious of um, medical issues. I feel like on balance, it probably works out. Um, very rarely in the U.S. do I remember meeting with the doctor at the very moment yeah. of my appointment time. <laughs> um, so I, I think on balance, um, something I've heard you know very often as a talking point against socialized medicine is, oh, you have to wait for hours mm -hmm. and hours and it's impossible to get care. And certainly the wait times can be long, um, but I've never been in a situation where I was not able to see the doctor. Um, as well as the fact that because of the online system, I can I schedule the appointments usually within a week or two. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even the next day, I've had situations where um, my doctor says, oh, okay, this person's available, can you go tomorrow? Um, and so things happen, I think, much more quickly, I've found. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about the waiting time because another thing that I read on that um, NHI PDF was that you know, there's a very, very fast turnaround. There's no waiting line normally, they say, um, that it just takes about a couple of weeks to get a major surgery at the location of your choice. Was that your experience with getting these surgeries is that it happened quickly? Yes, absolutely. Um, very, very quickly. So, you know, in contrast, uh, when I was in the U.S., my doctor suggested uh, to, that I get a CT scan, um, but I wasn't allowed to schedule it because it was not a pre-authorized procedure, mm. um, and I had to wait at least two weeks for insurance approval. Um, and that sort of coincided, actually, when, of, when I moved to Taiwan. Um, so by contrast, when I came here... Uh, I met with the doctor. He said, get a CT scan. I literally walked into the basement um, where they had the big machines. I scheduled one for, I think, two days later. Mm -hmm. um, got the results of that two days later. So between my first meeting uh, with the doctor, um, I think I had my surgery scheduled less than a month later. Um, and so the entire process was very fast. There wasn't... Um, any need also to go to any other locations. Mm -hmm. All of my scans, all of the medical tests that they needed to run, the actual surgery, my hospital stay, all was in the exact same place. Yeah, that's so convenient. And I also want to point out um, the whole concept of the insurance provider dictating what care you can receive. That is an entirely American phenomenon. Um, here it is, you know, do you need this procedure? You know, do you need... Um, this prescription or whatever it may be, and you get it. Whereas in the States, I've had a couple of instances or I've known family and friends who have needed a procedure and the hospital has had to say, well, we actually have to ask your insurance provider if this can be covered. Um, 
And I think that's, you know, that's very normal in the States, but really it's absurd. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, doctors should be dictating care. Insurance providers should not be um, the arbiter of what uh, procedures happen. Um, and certainly doctors will and do fight very hard for the care mm-hmm. that their yeah. patients need. Um, but that as a concept uh, is is really insane. And, and I think um, highlighted even more um, having come here and experienced this system and not having any kind of concern about uh, what will or will not be approved. Um, If my doctors feel that it's necessary, I'm just going to do it. And the cost of it is um, is really not is, is not too much of a concern. So I also wanted to mention um, with cancer specifically, since that's something that I am currently dealing with here um, as I'm receiving treatment, um, is uh, in the U.S. about 42% of patients um, exhaust their life savings within two years of a cancer diagnosis, um, which is a really you know, terrible, terrible statistic when you think about how devastating cancer can be um, just as a diagnosis, you know, notwithstanding Mm -hmm. the financial cost. Um, And I was very pleasantly surprised after my diagnosis here. Um, There is a government program. um, And so after my diagnosis, I received something. uh, My doctor applied for what is called like a catastrophic illness certificate. Mm. Um, And so after that, Um, Certificate was approved, I think it took three weeks. Um, All of my subsequent treatments are 100% covered, um, as well as my follow-up scan. So when I get a CT scan, it's three US dollars. And my surgeries are also uh, almost all covered with the uh, with the exception of of a few, you know, supplemental things and um, hospital stay that isn't covered by Mm -hmm. NHI. Um, and so that was a massive relief when I found out about that because the, the burden of um, continued scans um, and potentially follow-up treatment um, was kind of completely taken away mm-hmm. because, of, uh, because of this government program. Yeah, the, the stress of the money situation on top of a serious illness is something that should, should not, be, not be necessary, frankly. Um, so I want to chat a little bit about the insurance card because that is a huge part of the Taiwanese system and it's a little bit, well, I could imagine it being a little bit controversial, very, very controversial in the U.S. Um, so when you're enrolled in NHI, you are issued a card, um, and it contains all of your medical information, basically, um, all of your stats and your history and your vaccinations, even, uh, for example, actually this morning I was at the doctor's and I had to take my blood pressure before the appointment. So they have a machine there. Um, and I went in and inserted my card, um, did the blood pressure and all of that data was stored directly on the card, which I then gave to the nurse who inserted it in the computer in the doctor's office. And the doctor was able to pull up all of that information um, with you know minimal fuss, no hassle. I didn't have to remember anything. Um, everything is saved when you're moving between different providers and different facilities. They can just access it immediately. Um, and I understand that that is something that might not be as popular in the US having all of your data stored in one place where someone can access it. And I do, I'm sympathetic to that, absolutely. I do understand that fear. 
Um, but in the practical everyday sense in Taiwan, it makes things really, really easy. Yeah, I 100% agree <laughs> with that. I think Taiwan definitely benefits from being a very small country. Yeah, for sure. Um, in that they're able to have a system like that that works. I certainly benefit from it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I switched hospitals here when I wanted to see a different doctor and it was as easy as bringing my health insurance card, plugging it into the system, and they had all of my scans and all of my medical information. And it didn't require me to uh, do anything else, mm -hmm. um, which is lovely. Um, I don't know that the same exact system um, necessarily would work in the States, and certainly the concerns about privacy and data protection are um, legitimate, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think that is a true concern. Um, but for the country that Taiwan is and the system that they have, it's, it's really excellent. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that, you know, Taiwan is a lot smaller, the population is a lot lower. We can't just copy and paste the system from Taiwan to the US, and that is valid. As much as we love this system, mm -hmm. we can't just directly implement it in the States in the same way that um, in my episode about Taiwan and COVID, you know, Taiwan has done an amazing job um, keeping, you know, keeping the citizens safe, keeping the COVID out of the country. Uh, but I wouldn't have expected the U.S. to follow exactly the same procedure. You can't compare the two. They're very different countries. Uh, but speaking of COVID, the health insurance card did play a large part in Taiwan's response to the pandemic. Um, like I said, all the data is stored on the card. And during the pandemic, they expanded that to include your travel history, which again, could be incredibly controversial. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that is something that, you know, the states having access to health and immigration data is not something that I would yeah. be comfortable with in any way, shape or form. Um, however, uh, in Taiwan, that it was a solution that worked. And, you know, the, the stats speak for themselves. Um, the country has, you know, probably done the best in the entire world uh, for COVID response. And we are certainly beneficiaries of that. Yeah, we're very, very lucky. So obviously we are huge fans of this system, but there's no perfect system. Um, like I said, I don't expect the U.S. to copy and paste this. And even in Taiwan, there are things that could be improved or could be changed. So I'm just curious, Laura, um, if you were to cite any cons or any problems with this system, does anything come to mind? Um, for sure. Uh, like you said, no system is perfect. I think um, you know, and I'll, and I'll caveat everything I'm saying with that. I am not a fluent Chinese speaker, and so there are definitely going to be language and cultural barriers that um, may influence this, um, just by the nature of the fact that um, I'm communicating in English. Mm -hmm. um, so I will say that. But uh, one of the things that I've definitely noticed here is that uh, personal advocacy is so, so important. Um, something I read even before I came to Taiwan is there's a general feeling of um, doctors are the experts, do yeah. not question them. Yes. And I certainly have experienced that where doctors tell me, you know, this is the situation and there isn't really room for questioning. Um, I'm not really asked about uh, my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, doctors do not uh, there, there isn't the same kind of rapport. And again, this could partly be a language barrier, um, but there hasn't really been a situation where I go into a doctor's office and they are asking me, oh, how are you? What are you doing? What's your job? That same kind of you know small talk that mm -hmm. I would be very, very used to in the U.S. with U.S. doctors. Um, and so 
especially for my situation, because, um, it is so serious. That's something that I've had to learn over time is if I have questions, my doctors are very willing to answer them, but I have to ask, I have to be the initiator of, um, seeking out, uh, the information that I want to know. They are not going to voluntarily, um, have a 45 minute conversation with me. Um, but one of my oncologists, I went in with a notepad with probably 20 questions and we sat there and had a conversation and he answered every one of my questions. I email him all the time. Um, but that is not information that I would have just received had I not, um, pushed to get that information. Yeah. That's very much reflective of my experiences as well in, you know, different areas, obviously. Um, I've never been asked about my medical history or any other, you know, prescription medications that I might be taking. Um, it's very much, what are your symptoms? All right, this is what it is. Take this. Uh, so if you have any questions or any, you know, concerns, or is there another way that we could treat this or anything like that, that is definitely something that you have to push for, for yourself. Um, speaking of the language barrier, I do think it's interesting that, um, in my experience, all of the doctors have spoken English to a, at least a reasonable degree. Um, we're, we're communicating in English. Um, the rest of the system is not necessarily set up for that. A lot of the, the nurses or the staff at the counter don't necessarily speak English. And again, um, you guys know my perspective on this. I don't, I would never expect anyone to speak English. It's simply a benefit that most of the doctors do here. Yeah, that's that's been my exact experience too, and um, and a few of my doctors have been educated in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as far as yeah, doctors, specialized doctors and surgeons will all speak English, and I communicate with them in English. Um, nurses, it definitely depends, especially. Um, I've been, we've both been to a hospital that more so caters to foreigners. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more English information. I've also been to a hospital that, um, has very few foreigners. And so there isn't a lot of Chinese, um, and, uh, nurses though, I, you know, nurses are the backbone of every (laughs) medical system in the world. And, um, nurses that I've had when I've had hospital stays, um, or I'm just in the hospital for appointments will try as hard as they can to speak the English they know. And I try to speak the, you know, poor Chinese (laughs) that I know. And, and we get the information across. And, um, I certainly think that because of the language barrier, there is going to be information that I just am not going to receive. Um, but by and large, I think nurses, um, have tried very, very hard to, um, communicate and and inform me to the best that they can. And and I've always really, really, really appreciated that. Yeah. And another aspect of the whole sort of speed of the appointment, get right to the facts, here's your, your medicine and, and leave, um, go out the door. Um, there is... I don't want to say overuse, but the Taiwanese healthcare system is in in high use. People utilize it a lot, um, more so than in other countries. And it's very much a cyclical thing. It's, it's e- easy to see that if the healthcare is so inexpensive, people are going to go for absolutely everything. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm torn on that because I think it should be as inexpensive as possible and you should be able to go to the doctor for anything, absolutely. But there's no denying that that creates, um, you know, a backlog. There's just a lot of people utilizing the system. So doctors need to get people in and out as fast as possible. 
Um, and I did read that they make their income primarily from the copays that patients pay for, for these visits. So they have more of an incentive um, to see a higher number of patients. So it really is, there's multiple factors all contributing to this sort of cyclical um, overuse of the system, crowding of the system um, that then contributes to these quick um, quick appointments with doctors, frankly. And also with the whole, um, you know, getting patients out the door as fast as possible uh, while still treating them effectively. Um, I've had several situations where I have been in the room with another patient, either the person before me or after me, simply because they're like lining up the, the chairs to get people in and out, um, which really surprised me the first time it happened. Because in the US, yes. you would never be privy to someone else's medical situation, let alone like in the room while they're speaking with the doctor. Absolutely. That was something that was definitely a huge, um, I don't know if you want to call it a culture <laughs> shock, um, when I first uh, got here and started using the system. And I've certainly gotten used to it now, but um, it's sort of funny because the idea of HIPAA, like that is not <laughs> a thing here. Um, I have taken uh, friends with me before to my appointments, a Taiwanese friend, the doctor will speak in Chinese to my Taiwanese friend. They don't know the relationship. They mm -hmm. don't ask me if it's okay. Um, there's just sort of an, a general assumption that the information can be shared. Um, and you know, especially because I am a foreigner, um, I'm going to stick out a lot in a lot of mm -hmm. those spaces. And so there's been situations where, you know, I ask a question, um, at the billing office. And I remember this woman, um, says in Chinese, like, Oh, the, the foreigner has this question about something. <laughs> Everybody in the area knew who I was yeah. and what surgery I got and everything just because, you know, I probably was the only, you know, young white foreigner on the, in the, in the entire, uh, ward. And so, <laughs> that is something in the US that would not happen, um, but has been sort of a funny adjustment. And in addition to that, um, I think because Taiwan and many Asian nations are have a collectivist culture, mm -hmm. um, there's also a general feeling that uh, health is a community priority and a collective priority. And so um, when I had to get my surgery here, I told my boss about it. Um, because I needed the time off and my boss started asking questions of, mm -hmm. you know, are you okay? Do you need anything? Um, what happened? And that is something where if an employer in the U.S. asked me, you know, invasive medical questions, like that's grounds for a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. I would go straight to HR. <laughs> um, but that was something that I've learned over time uh, is just sort of part of the uh, culture and something that I've um, just gotten used to over time, but it was, it was certainly a bit of a shock, um, when I first came and I'm like, what, how dare you? Like, this is my medical information. This yeah. is private. Um, and there is some element of privacy. I don't, um, I wouldn't suggest, you know, I wouldn't want to suggest that all of your medical information is just made public. Um, but the same, uh, expectation of privacy, um, that or legality surrounding it exactly mm -hmm. um, is certainly not the same uh, as as one would be used to in the U.S. Yeah, and I think it's easy to see how that collectivist group mentality regarding health and medicine has played a part in Taiwan's COVID success. Absolutely, one hundred percent. That you know has been a huge, huge reason for the success because. Um, here, you know, starting back in January of 2020, um, before it was even something that the West was concerned about, um, we were starting to wear masks. And you wear a mask not only to protect yourself, but 
also the duty to the community and Mm -hmm. to protect other people. It's just, um, it's just assumed, um, and, and almost taken for granted in a way that you're going to protect the community. And that's something that I, I truly, truly love about Taiwanese culture, um, and, and have come to really appreciate it, especially as somebody who, um, I feel like I am kind of the quintessential, like individualistic American. (laughs) Um, and that has been a a huge shift in my mindset to experience, um, more of a collectivist culture and, and the benefits of that. Mm Mm-hmm. I I would love to go out on that note, but I want to mention one other thing um, in terms of maybe the the cons or the downsides to the system. One thing that I hear quoted anecdotally quite a lot is that the system is on the verge of bankruptcy. Uh, People always say that, oh, give it one year, give it two years, it's not going to survive. And it is true that the premiums do not cover the cost of running everything. The government does have to pay into that. But... Um, it's not as much as you might think. In fact, it's quite a bit less than America has to pay to support the healthcare system in the US. So in Taiwan, the government spends about 6% of its GDP on healthcare, which is about a third of what the US does. So it's substantially less. Um, and even though people like to say that the system's about to collapse, I think it's you know maybe sort of the same kind of rhetoric that we hear about social security in the US, but we're not gonna get into that. (laughs) So there is also the option of, you know, increasing the rates and they did for the first time in about 11 years, uh, raise the um, premiums this year by about half a percent, I think. And like Laura was saying earlier, you know, I don't want to suggest that any raise in the cost is not a big deal simply because I'm used to something costing so much more, you know, for, for some people that is a big challenge. Um, but as an American, as a foreigner living here, um, I would gladly pay so much more for the quality of care. Um, you know, raise the premiums on me two, three, four times, and it would still be a bargain compared to what I would pay in the U S for sure. Totally, totally agree. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to really get into that because, of course, I'm not, you know, privy to a lot of the policy yeah. decisions and the politics that um, exist here. Um, I think that's certainly a challenge that a number of countries have um, had to grapple with, and, and Taiwan is no exception. Um, I'm, you know, hopeful and, and optimistic that um, the government here will figure it out. Um, Taiwanese are very proud of their healthcare system, yeah. as they should be. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't think there's any world in which that's just going to disappear overnight. Um, but it, but it's certainly an interesting conversation when it comes to um, premiums and how much citizens uh, feel that they should have to pay for mm-hmm. their healthcare coverage. So I feel like both you and I could sit here for hours, honestly, discussing all of the different parts of the system, the aspects, our own experiences, everything. But I hope that we have provided a small window into the way that another country runs their healthcare system. Um, You know, there's so many options out there. And I think that whatever country you're in, it's easy to take the situation and the system for granted. Um, But I really want to show that there is another way, there is another possibility. Um, Like I said, I don't expect the US to copy this, but there are are things that we could take from different countries or or different ways that things are done. Um, and, And I just like spreading that news as much as I possibly can. I mean, 
those of you who follow me on, on Instagram know that every single time I go to the doctor, I post about that I went to the doctor and how much I paid for it and how easy the whole process was. Um, and I know that might be a little bit tedious, but I just, I always feel like shouting it from the rooftops after I have one of those experiences. Yeah, certainly. I, I completely agree. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I sort of feel indebted to this country for my life. Um, you know, which is, is sort of like half a joke, half serious. Um, but I think certainly, you know, I lived in DC for a number of years. I feel like I'm very, um, you know, familiar with policy and U.S. politics, um, but I think it really is a very uh, invaluable experience to be actually in the country and and with the system and experience it firsthand, um, and 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 really experience what a, dis- a different system looks like and the, and the benefits that can come with that. And and I'm extremely grateful for um, for that experience here. All right. Well, like I said, we could go on for hours, but I think we hit most of the high points. So Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. So now we definitely want to hear from you guys. What has your experience been like with healthcare, either in the U.S. or in your own country? If you're from a different country, um, have you ever had to seek healthcare while you're living abroad or traveling? Um, And, you know, what are your thoughts on single payer? Would you support this kind of system in the U.S.? If not, you know, why not? I'm really curious. Um, Or do you think it sounds absolutely amazing uh, like Laura and I do? So really, I would love to hear what you think about all of this. Um, Healthcare is just such a huge topic, like I said, especially now during a pandemic. Um, It's really, really important for for everybody around the world. So thank you so much for tuning in. You can send those questions and those stories to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. I really cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door. (laughs) 